Okay, so let's see. There's a couple things I wanted to cover real fast um, as people are coming on here. Um, and we'll save this for uh, the uh, edited version of this video. After I um, do the live stream, I usually pull it down and do a little bit of editing and then throw it back up with my intro and stuff like that so that it usually, you know, makes sure everything is okay and, and cut out anything that's kind of nonsense. Um, so, a couple things I wanted to cover real fast is I'm doing this live stream again for the second week in a row because I was out on the road again. Um, we, Melissa and I, went out to uh, Los Angeles uh, over the last couple days because I went to the UCLA Special Collections Library and I've got a little project going where I am looking into um, collections, archives of Scientology information that are not available on the net and finding information. This is for research purposes and I wanted to let you guys know that that's uh, that, I'm, that I'm, this is an ongoing and kind of a long-term project. There's, there's some pretty interesting collections of Scientology material all over the world and uh, maybe eventually I'll get to all of it, I'm not really sure, but I wanted to let you guys know that uh, this uh, project that I'm doing is actually uh, kind of funded by you guys. I mean my Patreon supporters are, are who enable me to do this travel. Um, you know, things in, in Shelton world are a little tight. And, uh, oh, thank you, Aftershock. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for that donation. Um, but that's, that's how I'm doing this, right? Is, um, and it's, it's pretty cool uh, because I got, you know, when you go to these, uh, when I went to the collection out there at UCLA, they have boxes and boxes of stuff. And I was able to get out there and spend an entire day just going through all this old promotional material and old Hubbard issues and issues not written by Hubbard, but that uh, were written by other people, but now only have his name on them. I'm always fascinated by that, uh, by who wrote actually who wrote the Scientology stuff, and then Hubbard, you know, just slapped his name on it. Um, and uh, anyway, found some pretty good stuff. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of lead with that, let you guys know that. Uh, that's why this live stream is occurring. I know some people, you know, kind of like it more when I do the other format, and I kind of do too because it gives me more time to prep for, um, uh, answer, you know, for, for answers for the uh, for the information I'm giving you. Whereas this one is a little bit more in the moment, and oh my God, I got to answer that question. Thank you, Michael Clayton, for that donation. I very much appreciated that. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but I didn't have time this week with the travel from Minnesota last week, and then I was only back in town for a day. So I managed to get my um, video put together for this last Thursday, which was my Minnesota talk, and then get my podcast done with Rachel, which went up uh, yesterday. And I was very happy with that one, by the way. I, the one, the, there was a podcast up that I did with Rachel Bernstein on codependency. Uh, and how that relates to cult thinking and activity. So we got that squeezed in, and then we had to hit the road first thing Thursday morning to uh, to get out to L.A., and, and we get back late last night. So uh, the reason, uh, to answer your question, lots of Turner, why does UCLA have that material? Pretty interesting. They have um, an enormous collection. Uh, there is a special collection section of the UCLA library, that has amazing stuff in it. I mean, you could just spend a lifetime looking at all the first editions and old stuff they've got and research material. But on Scientology, they've just been amassing material and also people will donate materials to UCLA 
for research purposes. And it was kind of funny. I was going to tell you guys this story. The librarian, okay, back in the 60s, all the way back in the, in the late 60s and through the 1970s, the special collections librarian um, actually got his name on the Scientology mailing list. And so they were sending him promo and materials every week. And they were also writing him um, uh, procurement letters. Okay, so, so, so there were people in, in Scientology who saw this guy, this librarian's name. And it, and it clearly said his name and librarian, special collections, UCLA. And there were people writing him from Scientology saying, hey, you should come on course. Hey, you should buy a book. And then one person was like, hey, I don't know what special collections means. What's that? Right? They had no idea who they were even writing to. It was, and I was going through some of these letters as they were part of the collection. He was just taking it all in and throwing it into this collection. And so I was finding promotional materials from when the church moved into the big blue buildings, um, you know, which were not always blue, right? When they bought Cedars of Lebanon Hospital Complex in 1977 or 78, um, there were all these these maps and and uh, and magazines and promo materials saying we've moved and the Sea Org is now here and this is what we're doing and all these funky old pictures of old Sea Org members in the 60s and 70s and it was actually quite interesting. Um, but again, not just promotional materials. Some of that is interesting and useful, but what was much, much more useful were some old booklets and some old magazines and some uh, issues. Um, and, uh, and I got pictures, uh, photos on my phone of, of all that stuff. And there is an even bigger collection there that I'm hoping to be able to get access to and go back to. And I don't have any concerns about, you know, Scientology raiding these collections or emptying them out or something because the security measures are impressive. Uh, the, the cautionary actions they take that you have to do in order to even see these collections and you have to get, you have to check them out, you have to identify who you are, you have to sign up, you have to, and then when you go in the room, they lock the door, um, there's a guy watching the room all the time. Uh, so you, you're you're being watched while you're going in through these collections, so that you're not, you know, taking anything out of the room. They're they they keep an eye on you. So it was a uh, it was impressive. Um, oh, thank you, Minnie Mouse, for that uh, that donation. That was awesome. Thank you very much. All right, so let's go ahead and go into since this is a critical Q and A. Let's go ahead and get into your uh, questions. Um, I think the last thing I'll say just as a general business sort of thing, since I like to do that on this show, is that uh, I am well into research on the next Basics of Scientology video, which will be on the ARC Triangle. I mentioned it last week. I've been a bit busy this week, so I haven't gotten really any research on that particular thing done, but I think I'll be able to get that done this week and post it on Thursday. That's the, uh, that's the, the hope here unless something comes up that I need to dive into more. No promises, but that's my, that's my goal here, is to get the next Basics of Scientology video up. All right, so let's go ahead and see what we've got here as far as uh, what you guys have been saying here. Look at all these folks from all over Ontario, Folsom, California, Atlanta, uh, Rhode Island, Montreal. This is great. Kansas City. Uh, all right, let's see what we got here. Um, do you th okay, Dina is asking an interesting question. Do you think some of the people who wrote 
particular issues were knowingly covering for Hubbard's mental decline. Hmm. I don't think so. Um, I don't think there were very many people who were aware of Hubbard's mental decline. Um, and the people who were writing issues or were revising issues were working sometimes under Hubbard's direction. I mean, all the, and it appears that most of those issues, even if they were written by others, did go to Hubbard for final approval. Uh, the signatories would say, you know, Brian Livingston, warrant officer, uh, for or as approved by L. Ron Hubbard would be the signatory on the issue. So you can see that this issue on um, some administrative procedure or some technical procedure was not written by Ron, but it had been approved by him. And that makes sense to me, given how he ran things and what I know about how the issues uh, worked. So, no, I don't think that was really it. I think it was more that Hubbard was, um, was busy, you know, doing what he was doing. And uh, he thought he could delegate maybe some of this to other people. He had aides under him. That's what they were, post title was, was aide. They were an aide to the Commodore, right? Hubbard was the Commodore on the ship. And he had six or seven, maybe, I think maybe even up to nine different uh, aides under him who were assisting him in various areas uh, in management uh, of Scientology organizations, because it was a pretty big job at that point. And so they were writing issues relevant to their area or their zone of responsibility. So I think Hubbard was just delegating. Uh, but the lie about that is that Hubbard's name was put on it as though he was the source, he was the guy who was coming up with all these ideas, and that's just not, that just wasn't true, right? And then people think Hubbard was this, you know, brilliant guy, and he, you know, all this output, and he did put out a tremendous amount himself, but he didn't put out all of it. And I think, I think some Scientologists would be a little surprised at some of the material that's out there that, that was not Hubbard's at all. So, uh, so that's, that's what I can say about that. Uh, let's see here. Um, Sandy asks, I've asked this in Facebook before, but can you tell us what all the pins and cords mean on the Sea Org blazers? It'd be interesting to have a chart explaining each one. I'm sure David Miscavige earned every one. Okay, Sandy, so let me tell you, I've, I've done explanations of, cam they're called campaign ribbons, those, those bars that are on the Sea Org uniforms here, and then there's a lanyard, right, different colored lanyards that Sea Org members have worn. And over the years, those have changed in significance, and they've changed in appearance as to what the lanyards mean and, what the, and the campaign ribbons. Um, there are hundreds of campaign ribbons. There's a, a, the chart, I, I could not put that chart together. I don't have all the information to do that. But basically, those little bars represent longevity, uh, time in the Sea Orc. And you get like a green, I think it was a, a green or a blue one. And then you put little stars, different colored stars. I think uh, a black star meant one and a silver star meant three or something like that. So if you had a campaign ribbon that had three you know, silver stars on it, that meant you were in for nine years or, or something like that. Um, so that was one of the ribbons. Another one was for, uh, there would be various ones for different courses that people would do, various training. Uh, there were different ribbons for activities or events that people were involved in that, that campaign ribbons were issued for, like there was a special project 
and 50 people were on that project and the project was successfully completed and so they issued a campaign ribbon that year for everyone who was on that special project. And so when you see Sea Org veterans come out on Sea Org Day in, uh, I think that's August that Sea Org Day happens, uh, they'll wear their full set of ribbons and it can get huge, I mean ridiculously huge. And, uh, and they'll have just tons and tons of these campaign ribbons. Um, the lanyards generally tend to indicate rank. Um, warrant, uh, uh, petty officers will have a chain lanyard, and officers will have a gold lanyard. And if you're on mission, if you're on a special Sea Org mission or project, then you might get a, a green lanyard. That was how it was when I was in. Earlier in time, there were different colored lanyards for different things. So, um, so that was, you know, what I'm talking about there. Woody Black, make sure uh, there's this, uh, uh, <laughs> he had AIDS, holy shit. Yeah, no, he had A-I-D-E-S, assistance, AIDS, people who were helping him, okay? Let's not misunderstand what I said there. Uh, okay, good. West Virginia, Chrissy, uh, keep up your critical thinking work. I will. Thank you very much. Shay from Minnesota. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, uh, Jeremy McLem asks, to your knowledge, has any disconnected member of the church ever made covert attempts to get still-in members declared in hopes of reconnection and deal with the problems of their action after the fact. Mm, no, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of anybody trying to undermine somebody's uh, participation in the church that way. Uh, I would not go about it that way. I don't think that would be, uh, I don't think getting somebody who, if, if, you know, in other words, if I were to try to get an old friend of mine who was in still in the Sea Org, let's say, or still in, um, if I were to try to get that person in trouble and get them declared so that they would get kicked out of the church and then I could reconnect with them. I've never, no, I've never heard of anybody doing anything like that. Um, yeah, I just don't think that would be a very good idea because that person would be pretty devastated and you could be uh, uh, tampering with, interfering or manipulating with their life in a way that they're certainly not going to appreciate uh, if that were ever to come out. So I don't, I don't think that would be a very good idea. All right, let's see what else we got here. Any other questions you guys have? Just fire away here. Um, okay. Lulu, I thought this might, I thought this one might come up. Lulu909 Austics at Austin, Texas, maybe. Austics asks, thoughts on the Nora slash Ortega issue? All right, so um, for those of you not on Facebook, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, Nora Crest. Uh, posted a fairly vitriolic uh, comment or, or post um, calling out Tony Ortega for actions that she did not agree with. And my take on it is actually really simple. I mean, um, their you know, feuds, arguments, disagreements are going to happen all the time. Um, that is just the fact of life. People are people, and they are not all going to be on the same page, even if we're all on the same page as Scientology critics, and we agree that Scientology and the Church of Scientology specifically is an abusive organization, uh, that disconnection is a toxic activity, that declaring people suppressive is, is out of bounds and off the rails. Even if we all agree on those things, and those are pretty strong things to agree on, we might run into problems that we have with each other. 
And it happens all the time. You know, I don't, me and Aaron don't agree on everything. Me and Nora don't agree on everything. Me and Tony certainly don't agree on everything. But that doesn't mean we can't get along. And me, being more the centrist, tolerant, let's, can't we all just get along guy, um, I'm always sad when, you know, when people in the X world uh, go after other people in the X world. Um, that, that just bums me out, you know, because I think that so, those sorts of things should uh, be handled, you know, back channels or privately in private messages or private communications if they can. But I also understand and, and I have to agree with people's right to say what they want and feel, obviously, the way they want to feel. And I'm, nor is my friend. And I, and I don't have any, um, that hasn't changed at all, as far as I'm concerned, as a result of, you know, her posting that. And Tony is my friend. And nothing Nora said made me feel any, you know, made me feel like I need to throw Tony under the bus or feel bad about him or, or think that he's a, less of a critic or an effective journalist because of uh, what Nora and he are fighting about. And, um, and that's, that's my take on that one, you know. Uh, I hope that they can resolve that, and I hope that that can be worked out. And if it can't, well, that's, then that's how that is between those two. But that's not my fight. That's that their disagreement is not mine. And, um, and I'm not going to be taking sides on that. And that's my, that's my take on that. Uh, all right, let's see here. <laughs> this is so funny. These, this, this, there's this, there seems to be uh, this line of attack that comes at me. Um, and I know it's a line of attack, and it's interesting, this one. Uh, Do you consider yourself gay? Jeffrey Cameron asks. Uh, no, I'm not gay. I'm not a homosexual. I am uh, very, very, very much uh, heterosexual. I'm getting married in May to the woman that I love. And uh, that's that's always been my orientation. So uh, I'm not really, really sure uh, why people seem to keep thinking that or posting that or something as though it's some kind of a way to get at me. But it's 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 not. It's not a thing. And there's nothing wrong with being gay. I, don't get me wrong. I don't I don't have a problem with that. I don't have any issue with the LGBT community of, in any way. But I do know that there are people who do. And there are people who think, as a former Scientologist, maybe I should or something. And, you know, it just keeps, you know, popping up. And so, uh, no, I'm not. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, oh, you're welcome for answering, uh, Lulu. All right. Where does Scientology bury their dead? <laughs> Cookie Brooks asks. In, in cemeteries? <laughs> they get people cremated? I don't know, the crematorium? Uh, let's see here. Um, what else we got here? Under disconnection. Thanks for your answer. You're very welcome, Jeremy. Uh, let's see here. Way removed from society. Help these people. Ashley Kruger asks, Hi, Chris. I live near the Petrolia base in Humboldt County. Way removed from society. I've always wondered if there is anything I can do to help the people there. Um, you know, be there. Be aware of what's going on in the community. Be a, be a place of support and, and, uh, be a, a disseminator uh, of, of true information whenever possible. You know, you don't have to go storm the walls or anything like that. Scientology is doing a perfectly good job of destroying itself. And like I've said from the very first video that I ever produced, this, the destruction of Scientology is in its very DNA. So it's really not a, um, a, you know, something you have to worry about or go infiltrate them or something like that. That's just not... 
not an issue, okay? So, but but being there and being aware of what's going on in the community, and uh, if somebody does try to get away from Scientology, uh, offering help and assistance is always a good thing, right? So that's, you know, that's what I can say about that. Empire of Aaron, um, thank you. Thank you very much for your support. And he says, I just took the communication course, and after the first two drills, it was all drivel. Um, good. I agree. <laughs> okay. Let's see what we got here. It looks like there's a little bit of, uh, of some funny business going on in the comments here. Let's see if we can... Uh, ah, okay. I got a troll here, this guy. All right. So let's go ahead and remove him. Okay, good. Well, at least we remove that uh, message. Oh, there we go. Let's just block this guy entirely because that's just annoying. All right. Good. So, Jeffrey Cameron, bye-bye. All right. Um, where do they bury the dead in the basement? <laughs> okay, good. All right. Um, Viridian Roots asks, Chris, are you planning on studying psychology? Actually, yes, I am. Um, I haven't really talked openly or publicly about this until I alluded to it in my um, talk in Minnesota uh, last week, but I've been thinking quite a bit about my future and uh, where the future of this channel, the future of me, and talking about Scientology and where I want to go with my life because, you know, I mean, let's face it, Scientology has, you know, all, there's only so much to talk about with this subject. I mean, it is a very big subject, but, you know, it's not something I plan on doing for the rest of my life. So where am I going? And I started thinking about this and I thought, you know, <clears throat> neurology is a is a fascinating subject to me the the biology of how we how our our neurons and brains work psychology is a fascinating topic to me sociology is a fascinating topic to me and so i i i put a lot of thought into it and i talked to a lot of people who were professionals in these fields and people who are doing work that i would eventually like to be doing and, uh, and I'm still doing that. It's not a it's not a completed you know thing. It's a it's a work in progress, and it's um and it's probably going to take me a while before I actually make the leap to go back to school. But I am looking very very seriously now at uh, that as a career path. It's not a hundred percent. I'm not taking out student loans right now. My channel's not going anywhere. I'm I'm very much right here right now. And I don't know that I'm ever going to shut down my channel. I really like my podcast, and I really like you guys and talking to you. So uh, so we'll see how this all rolls out. It's all very much just, you know, thinking right now of what I'm going to do. But I am looking right now, My the, the direction I'm looking at is going and getting uh, a degree in social psychology, which would combine sociology and psychology, and perhaps getting licensed as a uh, therapist. So um, I can actually help people one-on-one -on -one and get into research in that field. Um, oh, Linda Richards, thank you. Uh, you're welcome for the troll removal service, and thank you very much for your donation. That's awesome. Um, so that's what I'm looking at doing, and um, we'll see. You know, again, I think it's, I think it's a, a year or two away right now still. Um, but I, uh, but I'm kind of looking at that as a as a possible career path. I would really like to get into research uh, and look into why, you know, come up with some real answers on on cognitive behavior and why it is that people. Um, I'm, I, you know, Michael Clayton just asks, how about a hard science degree like physics? I, I'd be fascinated by that, but it's not really my 
the the ten the direction that I would like to go in. I mean, I, I'm not really. I'm a little afraid of the math and and stuff on the hard sciences, but more, it's not really the career path I think would be most effective for me, and and my um, the way that I can I think bring help to people into the world is uh, it, which is kind of my goal um, is to get into research. Yeah, he says here research, so you'll probably be going for your PhD eventually. Yes. I think that is the way that I'll be going, and um, and I would like to bring some more hard science discipline to the subject of psychology because it does seem that I've seen some kind of loosey goosey stuff go on in the field. Not to badmouth all of psychology, but you know it's not a perfect, <laughs> it's not a not, uh, not a perfect science by any stretch of the imagination, and so I would like to contribute to uh, to that, you know, and to bringing scientific method and and that sort of thing. So. Um, anyway, so that's kind of, uh, you know, a little announcement about, about where that might be going. Um, and I've got a lot of time to think about this and figure it all out. Okay. Nothing I'm telling you guys right now is all set in stone at all. Uh, you know, all this could change, uh, overnight if something else were to come along that would be on my, you know, goal line. Uh, but I'm just telling you what I'm sort of thinking these days, you know? Um, <laughs> yes, Scientology would hate me if I went on to become a psychologist, but they hate me already anyway, so whatever. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we got here as far as uh, any questions you guys might have for me here. Um, okay. Oh, okay, Danielle Demchak asks... Still curious about the topic of Dianetics covering postpartum depression. Does it cover the topic? Does it make any suggestions on the topic? Uh, indirectly, I mean, I don't, I don't recall in Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health, that Hubbard specifically talked about postpartum depression. I'm not sure in 1950 when he wrote it whether postpartum depression was a recognized uh, thing uh, or if that came later. But, the, but Dianetics, anybody who's practice Dianetics or believes in it, or if you walked into a Church of Scientology, they would absolutely tell you that Dianetics can and will handle postpartum depression uh, by running out the engrams or the, the, the birth, the moments of, of pain and unconsciousness connected with, um, you know, birth and, and giving, you know, bringing a baby into the world and all that. Um, they would insist that by going back and running those things out with Dianetics procedure, you would handle the cause of the postpartum depression. Now, I'm not advocating that at all. I'm just telling you what they would say. I don't, I don't think that postpartum depression is such a simplistic thing. And I don't know that, you know, just the fact of having given birth is all there is to the causes of postpartum depression. I think people are complicated. And I think each person individually would have to be dealt with on their own terms. Um, as to what would be causing the postpartum depression and how to how to cope with it and how to deal with it, uh, and I'm saying all this knowing full well I am not an expert on any of this right now, but um, but I but Dianetics guys would think that they are and they would absolutely try to get a person to do Dianetics counseling to deal with that. Shelley Woods, twenty bucks. Wow, thank you very much. Thank you for that donation. That was awesome. Um, Okay, let's see here. Uh, Carol Rogers, can you do a brief troll recap? Specifically, how the Gemmas of Twitter 
can't be helped and are not on the verge of a breakthrough. Oh my God, yes, please. Oh God, people, please stop engaging with John, Alex Wood, and Gemma on Twitter. I'm telling you, you know, people come newly into this as Scientology watchers and they engage with these two on Twitter thinking that they're going to change their minds. John, Alex Wood, and Gemma are a couple who are on Twitter who, um, whose job it is to promote Scientology. And they work for the Church of Scientology. They are Scientologists, hardcore Scientologists. And nothing that anyone says to them on Twitter is ever going to change their mind. Ever. They're, it's literally their job that they're doing when they're on Twitter uh, talking about and forwarding Scientology's nonsense. And they are completely immune to anybody's reason or critical thinking. And they, in an, in an, in an impressively uh, ignorant way, respond to people's criticism of Scientology by consistently ignoring the critical remarks. If anything even comes close to uh, breaking through their armor, they just ignore it, right? Or put you on block. I mean, for example, John Alex Wood never engages with me, ever, right? I've, I've, I've thrown a couple taunting things at him a couple times just for fun. Um, but, and always against my better judgment. I mean, I always regret it because it's always just stupid to even throw it, toss the guy a bone. But he doesn't engage with me. I mean, why would he, you know? Um, he, he knows he's not going to change my mind. He's not promoting Scientology to me. I, I know exactly the shenanigans the guy's up to. I, I got his number a thousand percent. Same with Gemma, right? And they, they even tried to bring it to my YouTube channel one time, and I just kicked him out because I know that they're not the people who I'm trying to reach. Maybe one day, as human beings, they will eventually wake up, but it won't be because of tweets being sent to them. They, they are just, I'm just telling you, they're trolls. And they are professional trolls. And they're kind of good at what they do. And they're there to um, distract. And they are there to make Osa actually look kind of goofy, as my, in my opinion. Um, and they are there to just throw out Scientology promo and materials. And, you know, like links to Scientology websites and anti-Chris sites and anti-Leah sites and anti-Mike Rinder sites and all that. So, uh, so that's all they're doing, okay? And that's, that's enough about them. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, hmm. Just going back up the feed here. Um, yeah, it would be kind of fun to have a degree in psychology. I want to get that degree, by the way. I'm, I'm considering going back to school not only for the information and the, and the training and get access to academic papers that I want and need access to in the research, um, but also I think it'll help open more doors uh, for me to be able to do more good uh, because I really want to get into uh, fighting radicalization. I want to get into fighting extremism in all forms. Uh, you know, Scientology is is not a, a lightweight destructive cult. They're actually an extremely destructive destructive cult. But there are other groups out there that have far more influence on the world at large that I want to deal with, and uh, and I think that's the way I can do it. All right, let's go on down the line here. Uh, looking for question marks. Um, okay, Linda Richards asks, what is slash was the least successful org ever. 
Hmm. I'm not sure what to say about that. Um, but the first one that comes to mind for me are actually two two orgs, Albuquerque and Hawaii. Uh, at least in my experience, I can't really speak intelligently about an answer to that question internationally because I didn't manage orgs internationally and I don't have a a full you know grasp of of every org's history all the way back to the beginning. But when I was managing orgs, Hawaii and Albuquerque were pathetic. I mean, we're talking three staff, right? Four staff, barely keeping the doors open, constantly having to be bailed out uh, because they were just, you know, just nowhere situations and still are to this day. Just nothing happens with Scientology in Hawaii or Albuquerque. Uh, Vegas is pretty bad too, but, uh, you know, uh, Salt Lake City is pretty bad. Uh, Kansas City was never any real great shakes, but Albuquerque and, and Hawaii stand out so much so much more to me uh, as that. All right. Uh, okay. Oh, thank you, Quinn. Uh, thank you very much for that compliment about my uh, knowledge on psychiatry. Uh, Jen, Jen Cove asks, why doesn't the Church of Scientology start a show like Leah's to rebuttal? Uh, because nobody would watch it. <laughs> their rebuttal are their websites. And that is the quality of their rebuttal. And it's shockingly bad. Uh, and it's and kind of surprisingly so. But, um, but that's, that is what they've decided to invest their money in as far as a rebuttal. They could produce, they're capable right now of producing their own TV show. And if they ever get their Scientology Media Productions channel going. They said it was going to get going, you know, last summer and then spring. I mean, they, they're way overdue on getting that channel going. Uh, why, I have no idea. I don't have any inside line on what's going on with that. But um, but they very well could end up putting something together on that channel as a rebuttal to Leah's show. Um, if they do, they're idiots because it will easily be discredited. It will be a complete waste of time. They'll never reach the audience that, that Leah reached. And, um, and they're liars. And they're easily disproven, right? Uh, Fact-checking Scientology is one of the easiest things in the world to do. You know, a fourth grader could do it. Um, as far as, as, far as uh, being able to show that they're lying about things, right? So, uh, but also, in their own policies, Hubbard specifically wrote to not forward enemy lines, okay? Which means, you know, they the Church of Scientology thinks that everything Leah does and says and Mike Rinder says and does and everything I say and do and Aaron and Steve Mango and all of us are all, we're enemies of the church as far as they're concerned. And so the things that we say are enemy lines. And Hubbard said that you're a fool if you take someone's enemy line and repeat it. Right? So if I say staff don't get paid, they're pretty stupid to say, well, of course we get paid, right? That, that, that Lee, Chris Shelton said that, that, that we don't get paid and we do get paid. That's not good public relations tactics as far as L. Ron Hubbard was concerned. And I would tend to agree. So if they go put a whole show together to respond to Leah's show, that would be them actually uh, breaking with what Hubbard says to do. So I thought I made that point. Thought I'd, you guys might be interested in that too. 
Okay, let's see what else we got going on here. Uh, da, 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 da. Glad you got back online, Marsha. Okay, any news on the Scientology TV channel on Outcasts asks here? And uh, no, I have no, just what I just said. I don't know what's what's happening with that. It's a little surprising to me, and then at the same time, it's not surprising at all uh, how long it's taking them and, and what they're probably up to. You know, when they were first going to open up their in-house publishing facility, uh, Bridge Publications, uh, purchased and, and renovated and created a, a, a tremendously uh, advanced and, and pretty interesting uh, digital publishing facility uh, for, or printing facility for their books. And it took them a year, year and a half to train everybody up and figure out what the hell they were doing in order to publish their, their books in-house. They have very high standards for the quality of the books. Um, and that's not bad. I don't have any problem with the, you know, with the quality of the books and the, and the way they were printed. They're, they're very nice. The content sucks. <laughs> What's written on the pages is horrible. But the quality of the books is actually impressive. And I think they even won some awards. But it took them a year and a half to take totally green, novice, untrained Sea Org members and figure out how to, you know, get through the Keystone Cops phase and figure out how to make books. Uh, and I worked there after they'd figured it all out. I went in and got trained on how to do it. And I worked there for about eight or nine months making books. And, and to this day, I still think it's pretty impressive, uh, the quality of the books. But, um, but like I said, the, you know, the content is horrible. They're probably going through the same learning curve trying to figure out how to make TV shows and trying to figure out how to make a, a station, you know. So that's why I'm not surprised that it's taking them as long as it is to get going. Now, that's probably just one reason why um, it might be taking longer than they are uh, saying it will. Okay, uh, let's see. Mia Culpa. Oh, here's a fun one. Mia Culpa asks, what's the best movie you've seen lately? Since you don't do your review videos anymore, um, uh, got any you're looking forward to seeing? Oh, yes. Oh, baby. Okay, um, so the best, uh, okay, I saw uh, Thor Ragnarok, loved it, uh, didn't, um, I should say I really liked it, I, I can't say I loved it, actually, I should back up, I, I want to back up on that one, Thor Ragnarok was great, I, I really had a good time watching it, it was very funny, very high quality, it was an enjoyable movie, definitely recommend it, um, and I really like Justice League, and I, that might be controversial, um, but I did. I liked it. I, I didn't. I thought that they put they injected enough good humor and characterization, and they were building up on these characters that are in the Justice League, and I kind of liked what they did. And they brought the characters more back to the original concept of what those characters are, and I really appreciated that because DC really screwed the pooch on uh, Man of Steel and on Batman versus Superman and on Suicide Squad. I mean, those were horrible movies, really bad. And my reviews on those are still up on online if you want to check out why I think that, if you're interested in what I have to say about movies. A lot of people aren't, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. But that was my opinion on that. And I am really, really looking forward to the new Star Wars movie on December 15th. Can't wait to see that. Um, I'm also interested in seeing, by the way, just as a last little note, I'm going to go watch The Room. And then I'm going to go watch Disaster Artist, which is about the making of The Room. 
That's James Franco's new movie. Uh, I think that'll be interesting. Uh, okay, what do we got? Oh, great. Another troll. Hey, Ron Jeremy, bringing it back. Well, let us get rid of this guy. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, good. Let's get back to the show in progress here. Um, what would happen? Oh, okay, here's an interesting question. Quinn Yowell asks, What would happen if a psychologist who is ignorant about Scientology but was broadly routed into an org and casually revealed their profession? How would they be handled? Um, they would probably be shown the door pretty quickly. Uh, Scientology is not down with psychology or psychiatry, like, at all. And they would, um, they would probably be civil. I mean, they wouldn't like, you know, oh my God, you're a psychologist, get out of here. I, it wouldn't be like that. Um, you know, at least probably not too much like that. Uh, but they would definitely not be interested in, um, in having a, uh, a psychologist. Uh, coming on board and doing services, they would probably just try to sell them a Dianetics book and say, well, you should read this because this is real psychology or this is psychology that makes sense or this is in alignment with, you know, this is the modern science of mental health, right? And they would probably try to have a whole conversation about that. All right. Um, yeah, good old, good old Scientology and psychiatry. Um, let's see, the Obsidian asks, the attack sites sometimes make use of confessionals. Do ex-Scientologists have any legal standing with that? This is a complicated question, and I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not pretending to be, but as far as I know from the legal contracts that people sign when they go into Scientology now, they hand over the rights to their confidential confessional files, and they acknowledge that those files are not their property and never will be that they're property of the church. And as far as I know, that does have valid legal standing. Uh, but that's my, you know, novice, non-legal opinion. Laura Diekman is suing the Church of Scientology right now, or is in court with them, and she never signed those papers because they didn't exist when she was in. And she did get her PC folders back, but they were vetted. And that is very unusual. She's the only person I know who had that ever happen to them. Um... I, so I don't know if, a, if an ex-Scientologist or a former Scientologist wanted to bring suit against Scientology for possession of their files, I would be fascinated to see how that would roll out. It would require a boatload of money, though. And I think a lot of people who ask questions about, not you, I'm not, I'm not targeting you, Obsidian, for asking this, but I think that it is, um, that, that people don't really think the thought through very often about how much it would cost to bring a suit against Scientology, like just because you have the right to bring a suit and just because you might be right in terms of how the law reads doesn't mean that you're ever going to get to um, be the beneficiary of those rights if you can't put up the money to fight for them. I hate that about our legal system. I absolutely despise the fact that it takes as much money as it does to take on a group like Scientology or a big corporation for your rights. You know, it really sucks. Uh, but that's how it is here in the States and I, I guess everywhere else. I'm really not sure how the law works in other countries. All right. Um, oh, here's a good question. P. Ranver asks, Do you think it's possible for anyone to become a fundamentalist or radicalized human being? Why do you think it is so? 
Thanks and all the best to you. Okay, good. Um, all right, my answer is yes, I do, but it has to be on the right area. I don't think everybody is potentially a Scientologist. I think a ton of people see through Scientology's nonsense. But those same people might fall prey to radicalization from something else that they are biased to, and not just religion. Radicalization or extremist thinking or fundamentalist thinking, um, which is kind of a misnomer because fundamentalism is actually a very specific religious thing, but now we use it for, you know, talking about other, you know, extremism or extremist ways of thinking. Fundamentalism really just meant sticking to the fundamentals of the Bible and, and Christianity originally. That's early 1900s as I understand it. Seven! My cat's making some noise in the background. Uh, our cat, I should say. Melissa's cat, not my cat. Anyway, um... So I think that the way our cognitive processes work, all of us are susceptible to falling under the spell of undue influence of some kind. But it would have to be tailored to our own biases. Um, maybe there are people out there who have no weaknesses or biases of any kind, but I've never met them. Uh, you know, I've met a number of people across a number of fields who have very strong biases because that's just how we think and that's how we're raised and that's how our brains work and we're very tribal and you know sort of pack mentality follow the herd follow the leader you know so um so that is uh what i think about that yes i think everybody could be susceptible to that and do we have another troll again is that happening again Oh, my cat stinks. Okay, thank you. All right, well, let's go ahead and block that guy. All right, Seven's so interbulating. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I love this cat. He's actually pretty awesome. Okay, oh, Danielle, thank you very much for, uh, for your donation there. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. Um, any chance the trolls are Scientologists? There's a chance. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get trolled by Scientologists. Uh, I get trolled by people who just troll, too. You know, sometimes it's a little hard to tell. Uh, there are people who just have a good time and think that it's the, the cat's meow to go out and troll people. You know, that's just how they get off. I think it's a little bit weird, personally. I, I, it's kind of a waste of time. Um, do you know? No, I'm not sure. Arthur Stryker asks, do you know who the woman is in the Leah Remini no vetting roundtable video? I don't know what you're referring to there, so I'm not sure how to answer that. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, Woody Black asks, is Scientology homophobic? Homophobic. Homosexuality is 1.1, right? Yes. Yes. Scientology, at its core, its core tenets and beliefs very much include homophobia. Um, and uh, the reason for that is because L. Ron Hubbard specifically, very clearly states that homosexual activity, any kind of perverted activity, as Hubbard describes perverted activity, right? And keep in mind, this was written in 1950, um, is uh, a mental aberration and is unacceptable behavior. And so um, I know that in the church right now, they will accept homosexual people at the lower levels, but you will get cold shoulders, you will get short shrift from some people who are in Scientology who feel this way about it, 
and you will, most importantly, you will never, ever, ever be allowed onto the upper levels of Scientology unless you uh, got a boatload of money or are a celebrity, right? And I'm looking at you, John Travolta. Um, but otherwise, uh, no, that's not, uh, you're not going to get to those levels. And I know because I was in, when I was in Scientology, and I was, I was, uh, had, a, had a job at one point where I was at the place where, at the Advanced Organization of Los Angeles, where we were the ones who were making the decisions about who were going on to the OT levels. And I was specifically told by the person who made those decisions, the case supervisor there at that time, and she very clearly said, yeah, uh, you're homosexual and you're never seeing the OT levels. So that was what I based that information on. All right, so we're coming into the last 10 minutes of the show here. I decided I'd go for an hour, so uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, can, Cultus asks, can Laura Preppen really pretend and not know about the 1-1? One, one? Well, she can pretend. <laughs> uh, you know, she might even have convinced herself. You know, cognitive dissonance is a beautiful thing. Human beings have the miraculous ability to hold two completely opposite ideas in their head at the same time. It is amazing. It's a miracle of evolution that we are able to do that. Uh, and yet we can. And Laura Preppen may very honestly and truly believe that uh, that it's okay to be homosexual and at the same time think that it's a you know perverted uh, mental aberration. So I don't know where her head's at on it. But she can pretend, and she was probably told very specifically to pretend, that Scientology does not have a problem with homosexuality. Because unless you really dig into the minutiae of Scientology... You're not going to know what Hubbard says about it. you got to dig a little bit. It's, in, it's kind of buried in Dianetics, and it's buried in a book called Science of Survival. And, uh, those, but those lines are still there. The church has not edited those out, and the church hasn't edited them out because the church really does believe that stuff. You know, that Miscavige actually thinks that that is 1,000% true and that that's a good policy to have. So if he didn't, he would have edited it out of those books, and they wouldn't be there anymore. And I wouldn't be saying this anymore. The day that those are edited out of those books, I will know, oh, they've had a paradigm shift in regards to LGBT in, in the Church of Scientology. But as long as those lines are there, forget it. You know, that's how they, that's really how they think. All right. Um, my question. All right. What else we got here? Uh, Hubbard. <laughs> Lulu asks, have people recognized you in the street? I'm curious. Uh, yes, that has happened. It's always weird what it does, too. Uh, but it does, yes, that, that, has, that has happened. Um, I had a, I had, it was funny, I had um, uh, also, not just on the street, I had concert tickets one time. Oh, uh, Teresa Gerald's, thank you for your donation. That's awesome. Um, I had uh, concert tickets one time, and I was not able to go to the concert. So my plans changed, and so I sold the concert tickets online. And the person who bought them, um, uh, I sold them on Craigslist or something, and the person didn't know who I was because it was anonymous. And then when it came time for the transaction, he was sending me the money, and he goes, oh, my God, are you the Chris Shelton? And I was like, what? And he goes, I watch your channel. You're amazing. And I was like, oh, my God. That was kind of fun. Uh, okay, let's see what else we got here. Um, 
says da 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 do looking for more question marks. Oh, okay. So Fred Flogiston asks, so do you think David Miscavige is a true believer, quote unquote? Nope, I do not. Uh, David Miscavige last received any Scientology auditing or handling in 1993, according to a very good source that I have who worked in RTC, Claire Headley, uh, told me that. And um, she would know because uh, she worked with Miscavige uh, in RTC. And, uh, and he hasn't had any auditing since, as far as we know. What kind of Scientologist would not get auditing since 1993, especially if you are David Miscavige, the person who could avail yourself of the entire gamut of all of Scientology? That means, that means Miscavige hasn't done superpower, their latest and greatest and the most amazing rundown ever. That means Miscavige hasn't done the cause resurgence rundown, which is the top floor of that gigantic monstrosity of a building they have in Clearwater where people just run around a pole a lighted pole for hours and hours and hours, right? That's called the cause resurgence rundown. And it's ridiculous, right? But Miscavige, uh, you know, for is the latest and greatest. And if, and if he was such a hot Scientologist and believer, don't you think he would have done those things? Don't you think that if he was a true believer, he would be enforcing Scientology on the Sea Org? And that he would be pushing that they would be the first in line to get onto the OT levels. Because if he truly believed that the OT levels created superhuman people and that we needed superhuman people in order to bring Scientology to the world to clear the planet, then wouldn't he be pushing that on them? You know, but he does the exact opposite. He's a jerk and a complete moron. So, uh, yeah. So that's my answer to whether Miscavige is a true believer or even a Scientologist. I don't, you know, I really don't think that at this point you would call him a, a Scientologist because the definition of Scientologist in the world of Scientology is somebody who uses Scientology to improve conditions in life. And we can pretty much say that David Miscavige is not improving too many people's conditions in life. Uh, okay, so then the eccentric stripper asks, so then he never claimed to be OT-15, like the end of the original bridge? Or did he purport to be way above the bridge? No, Miscavige never claimed either thing. Uh, OT-15 hasn't even been released. And, um, and Miscavige never, as far as I know, never claimed to be anything higher than where he got to on the bridge. Uh, okay, so let's do one more, and then we're going to have to wrap up here. Um, new three asks, what do Scientology courses include? Are there exams? Can you fail them? Okay, well, I did a whole video on the training and auditing. I did two videos on the entire Bridge to Total Freedom, which is part of the Basics of Scientology series. So new three, go ahead and check out that playlist because the, it's, it's all in there. Uh, as far as are there exams? Yes, for some Scientology courses, the major services um, there are exams, and, uh, and you can fail them, and then you have to go back and restudy what you missed, and then you take the exam again, and, that's, and there's a whole little system to that. So that's, uh, that's kind of how that works, and you have to pay for all that stuff, right? When you have to get the correction, you got to pay for that, and then you, um, you know, when you go back and restudy, that's called a, that can be called a, a retread, and if you have to go, if you failed it so miserably that you have to go back and do the entire course again, that's called a retrain, and uh, and then you got to test again, and you know get through that. All right. 
So guys, let's go ahead and wrap up now. You guys have been awesome. This has been a fun show. I think we covered some really great ground. Um, thank you very much again. Everybody who has signed on to Patreon recently, you guys are awesome. And thank you very much for you guys, you guys for your donations. That all helps me in my research. And I, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, I've got a lot more to do and a lot more to go. Oh, thank you very much, Marsha. Uh, you're awesome from L.A. And, um, and feel free to sign on to Patreon if you would like to continue supporting this channel and my research and the work that I'm doing with this. I've got a lot more videos on the lineup, a ton more work that I'm doing, and uh, before I'm going to sign out and go off and, and go back to school or any of that. So, um, so talk to you guys again soon. Bye-bye.